Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. You know, it's interesting to me, um, very interesting to me that uh, we we have some coaching changes that have been made, and the only one that's really surprising is the Brian Flores move in Miami, and really it's not all that surprising when when you saw that his name was linked to some hot seats. There was signs of this previously. Um, it's, I think a respect for the fact that people think he's done a pretty good job, but there's a lot more to the job than that. You know, I, I've never been the guy that has celebrated somebody being fired. I just, maybe it's being the son of the brother of a coach, understanding that with the ramifications of all of that, um, but there's also the, you know, you want to feel like guys get ample opportunity you know, Mike Zimmer got ample opportunity. I thought he did a pretty good job. Obviously, he got away from the past couple of years, but some of that is the salary cap, which limited them, and a lot of that, the salary cap limited them, was because of the quarterback. But I said this about Brian Flores losing his job. I think it's true in regards to, you know, Flores apparently told Tua Tagovailoa at some point this year, this is per Mike Lombardi, that the team should have drafted Mac Jones this year. And you start to go like, all right, look, there's there's a point where you can coach and motivate and get the most out of guys, but there's also a point where you're just you're saying things which are going to do irreparable harm to your relationship with that player as well as um as as well as the fact that you're doing irreparable harm to anybody who disagrees with you in that organization. And you're also harming Tua's confidence. Like when you're coaching, you got to coach guys confidence as much as anything from coaching little kids to, to, to coaching big kids. By the way, I saw this story really, really quickly. I've been one. Um, I've been one who has said, Hey, Brian Flores, maybe to Houston, one, because of his relationship with the guys in the front office, but two, could that help Deshaun Watson come back to Houston because Deshaun Watson apparently wanted to play for Flores. This from Albert Breer. For those wondering on Deshaun Watson, the Texans, I wouldn't expect this to change his desire for a trade. He never had any issue with David Cully. As far as I know, Cully actually managed the situation well. Watson's issue has been with ownership. Okay, that's true, but Brian Flores coming in could change anything. You know, you really want to find, you really want to get Deshaun Watson back, and those top ten quarterbacks are really hard to find. Isn't that um, isn't isn't that a possible way? And again, that relationship is a human relationship. But I, I saw these two other two stories and I thought they all kind of connected together, which is right. 
Brian Flores didn't get fired because he's not a good enough coach. He got fired because he didn't manage his relationships well enough. Jimmy Garoppolo was asked about his future with the Niners. Take a listen to his answer. Does the idea that, you know, this could be the last ride, you know, does it add any motivation and anything like that? How much does that weigh in your mind uh, just throughout the course of a week going into games like this? It's always in the back of your mind. It, it has been in mind, you know, really this whole season. Just uh, I knew what type of season it was, knew everything that was going on, uh, you know, behind the scenes and whatnot. So it was it was a little different. It's like you're saying, you got to toe that line because you don't want to get too emotional in those moments. And uh, you just got to go play football when it comes down to it. But, you know, the human side definitely comes into, into play. You feel it for a little bit after the game and I think 24 hours after that you got to move on quickly and you know we, we've done that pretty well um th- look the the human side to it is is interesting right like we're all thinking you just got to go play Jimmy and I don't think that you're thinking about it when you're actually playing but in your prep time and your time in which you're kind of you know sometimes those guys are on the field and they're sitting there kind of spacing thinking thinking things to themselves there's there's no reason they can't think things to themselves like man this could be my last time does that cause you to press more does that cause you to try and put you know more emphasis on each game does that cause you to try harder to make the right play or is it you know it's like everybody reacts to different levels of stresses differently um and i i think that part of it is super 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 interesting plus that part of it to me is uh, the part that we don't have enough respect for, the hum- human element to it. Then I heard Darren Waller, of course, Darren, Darren Waller, if those of us know, obviously has, has had trouble with addiction. Um, Darren Waller, I thought opened up about it and sound, sounded, this is really interesting, talking about his time when he's been injured trying to rehab. You know, my disease of addiction, you know, that can have me thinking all, t- all kinds of crazy things, you know. So I got to make sure that I'm talking about those things when I'm, you know, have all that idle time. So I got my therapist, you know, I got stay going to meetings, uh, staying in the playbook, working on music, you know, just staying solid, keeping my head, you know, just out of that idle time and just into things that I enjoy and stay into the game of football as much as I can. Fascinating, right? Like you, you, we think of, hey, just get back on the field and all things will take care of itself. We don't realize here's a guy dealing with, you know, he's still, he's an addict, an addict. It's not like... Just because you're not taking drugs anymore doesn't mean you, there's not a part of your brain that doesn't want those drugs. And then he's in Vegas, in Sin City. And look, you can find trouble anywhere. You can find drugs anywhere. Um, but there is something to Vegas and the proximity to all of the things that somebody you know falls off the wagon might want, might go after. It's I, I don't know, I just... I walk away, I, I do have the tendency to kind of separate the human from the athlete or from the coach or from the general manager. I, because because in truth, we don't know what anybody's feeling and we don't know how they react to said feelings. So to me, the best way to do it is just take that out of the equation and you're in pretty good shape, right? Um and just deal with it from a sports perspective, from a decision perspective. There's, we, don't, we don't know what people really think or how they really feel, right? It's, it's like officiating. You can't officiate intent. It's really hard to, to tell intent when you're a judge, a jury, or an executioner, right? 
So you can only judge based upon the decision, based upon the play. But these guys giving you kind of color to the, here's the real emotions of it, I think is fascinating. And it takes me back to something I've told you, which we all think we're in these different businesses, but we're all in the same business, the people business. If you want to be a great coach, you got to motivate those people to get to play for you to understand all their different situations. If you want to be a great player, we got to understand that you're a, you're a person. Now that doesn't mean we have to completely fall to the side of everything overly sensitive. We can't eliminate negativity completely. We can't eliminate distractions. We can't eliminate adversity, but we can understand that every human goes through these things through their own path and trials differently. And they'll react to such things differently. Yeah, Jace, too. That Darren Waller sound to me is just fascinating and how open he is and articulate about it. And um, you know what he reminds me of? And maybe, Barry, if, if, if you remember this this guy, Quinn Pitcock. Do you guys remember this guy's name? No. Um, he was, I want to say he was yeah. a lineman for the Colts back in the day. Played for Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. And he, uh, I remember the news story at the time, I think it was 2012, when it came out that he was so addicted to playing Call of Duty that he would like miss practice. The team cut him. He literally like threw his career away because of this supposed addiction to Call of Duty. When now looking back at it, he, the the guy had substance problems. He had mental issues. It was kind of like a vehicle of his depression, not necessarily an addiction to the video game. And I remember at the time he got piled on and made fun of. I can only imagine him doing something like that now, and how much more compassion we would have for that. But it just reminds me of that and how, how different just nine years makes in how we treat these stories, you know? Were you one of the ones that made fun of him? Of course. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So I, feel, I, I take full guilt? credit. Yeah, yeah I absolutely do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, that, that's that's going to be interesting to me. Super interesting to me. Um, how How guys deal with these things. And how they, how Darren Waller plays, you know, I, I, I do think that one of the elements to it and why so many of the, 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 the positions I take eliminate some of that human element is that's the magic to being an athlete, right? Is all of the things positive and negative that are going on off the field. I've always felt like the best of the best can sharpen their focus and whether they don't think about it, don't talk about it or use it only to motivate them. You know, don't use it only to motivate them. Um, this is funny. I, I saw this earlier today, and uh, I, did you guys see the back and forth I had with with Cowherd on Twitter? Cowherd tweets out: "Too many people love the Niners and to upset the Cowboys. I did too. Now it feels trendy. All week the Cowboys staff and players are hearing they'll uh, hearing it. They'll get upset. Great motivation." Byer, do you believe in this? Do you believe in like, oh, it's bulletin board material that people are picking the Niners and now the Cowboys are going to play better? I don't believe that it will give the Cowboys uh, an edge. What I do think is when it comes to making predictions and betting in Las Vegas, a lot of times you want to do it the opposite of what the public is doing. And that's what makes me sort of wonder. But I don't think it has anything to do with the Cowboys and them being... Uh, being now motivated as opposed to not being motivated previously. Weren't, weren't, yeah, like, wouldn't you be motivated anyway? Like, you sure. haven't won a playoff game in a couple of years. You won two playoff games in the last 10 years. Do you need more motivation than just people are picking the Niners? 
<laughs> you you uh, like because the converse to it is Jimmy Garoppolo sitting there going like, hey, they drafted my replacement. You know, they drafted my replacement. He's not yeah. motivated. Yeah, you don't think Jerry Jones is motivated? I mean, he's he's obviously made it very clear what his goals are. I mean, if they're yeah, if the Cowboys aren't aren't motivated already, uh, then can't there's a problem. You. Yeah, right, can't help you. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Can I ask you guys a question? This is a this is a real question, okay? This has nothing to do with sports. Which, you know, like, look, I mean, I just... So, um, Ramos, you've been around me enough, obviously. Um, you guys know what I... What I basically live I live on two drinks throughout the day that I I don't I'm not a big water guy although I'm trying to become more of a water guy I'm not a big water guy you guys familiar with the the two things that I imbibe throughout most of the day I believe you love to drink um is it the Arnold Palmer's Arnold Palmer right Uh, coffee and Arnold Palmer okay coffee I didn't get the coffee I knew you liked Arnold Palmer so yes I I I I basically basically like uh i i do um but i I think what's interesting about it is so i make uh tazo tea this that passion tea at home or i'll make the nest tea the instant like it's the the cold brew tea whatever at home and then i mix it with lemonade now i'm very specific with what types of i only use that simple lemonade that's it it's always simple lemonade it's always nest tea cold brew tea or it's always tazo uh, passion tea that's that's caffeine free and i i mix the two and that that's what i drink literally from as soon as i have my cup of coffee in the morning till that I, all throughout the day i'm just constantly sipping on it um and i do know like how much it costs at starbucks that same passion tea lemonade combination is like 450 475 for a venti and here i am feeling like i'm getting a deal is that cheap of me though to make it for myself at home I would say no. I would drink your tea that you make before I would drink the other one. If you were offer like if if you said, "Hey, Ramos, I have some, you know, iced tea at my house, or do you want me to stop at blank blank to get?" It? I'd be like, "No, I'll drink yours." That's me personally. Okay, okay. I, I, you know, I was, I was like doing last night. I was doing something else in terms of like numbers. I was actually doing reimbursements for, <laughs> for some of these trips. And then I, I got like, like the ADD kicked in and uh, I start doing the numbers on how much I'm saving per, uh, you know, per drink. Right. In, in comparison, I was like, well, this is probably 55 cents, maybe, maybe less per like gigantic drink. And then, you know, like at Starbucks, they put so much ice in it, unless you do no ice. When we do no ice, it doesn't taste nearly as good. So I can do full ice here and it doesn't matter. So I'm like saving like $4 a drink and then I'm working out in my head. Like if I have three of these a day, am I saving $12? But I wouldn't have three of them a day if I was actually going to buy them. I don't know. That that was that was basically like, an, and then I was like, what am I doing? God, I'm either bored or completely distracted. Maybe a little bit of both. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports. BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21. You must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. A lot to get to. A lot, a lot, a lot to get to. Um, 
Okay, so my, my point was, Byer, you, you grew up in Wisconsin. I know that high school football is over before the actual meet of winter. But how, how, uh, how did you deal with playing in the cold? Like, what's the, the, the inside the beltway secrets? Uh, just uh, if you're playing in cold, we would play in long underwear. That's what, uh, you know, you'd throw that underneath the, uh, the, old, uh, the pads. You need to have long sleeves. Uh, if you're going to a game, like if you're going to Lambeau, uh, layers is a big, yeah, layers is, is the right way to go and make sure that those feet are insulated. Okay. It's interesting because uh, Bart Scott offered up another possibility. I don't really know. Uh, Mark Dominic joins us. Of course, he was a longtime scout in the National Football League, the general manager of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I, if I remember, Mark, you grew up in Minnesota, right? Like you're like you're cold weather, cold weather dude. Um, how, how do you deal with playing football in the cold? Like what's what's the, what's the keys to it? Yeah, I, I wish I had a good example. Remember, I went to Tampa Bay for a long time. It was yeah. we never won a game below forty-two degrees, right? So it was uh, certainly hard. Um, yeah, I was born in Minnesota and spent some time in South Dakota too. So I know what cold feels like. Uh, you know, and it's the hidden layers that you can't see is what you know a lot of people do with it. Like you talked about the feet, uh, the thermals underneath. But when you get to your arms and these offensive linemen, they they just leave them out there, and it's just a it's a mental battle for three and a half hours that you just got to get through it's funny because wasn't shauna was like a, he wanted it 68 degrees in every room right that was his thing you guys couldn't <laughs> win below 42 and he wanted it 68 right he should have cranked that sucker even more, further down I, I bring up the cold because this was bart scott on tv earlier today with some advice for players getting ready to play in the cold can people get this message to him by agra Take some Viagra for the game, baby. That'll fit that circulation going right. You you play, so you must know something. A lot of us take Viagra, right? Because Viagra opens up the blood vessels. A lot of us take Viagra. What do you mean a lot? A lot of of NFL players, at least in my day, took Viagra because it opens up the blood vessels. A lot of endurance athletes. Because Viagra was first uh, a heart medicine, right? So it builds up circulation, which makes sure that it gets those circulation to the feet. Okay, uh, Mark, you were in the league for a long time. Where dudes popping Viagra to get their circulation going? I had never. I was in the league over twenty years, and I've never heard that until he just said that. And I'm like, I guess I see what he's saying, but I'd never heard that. Never heard our trainer talk about it, or never heard anybody talk about it in the facility, man. Well, I mean, listen, he played with some stiff defenses when he was in uh, in New York. Oh. I mean, I'm mean, sorry, sorry, I I had I had to, but I I just didn't know if he if it was like a trade secret, like right, like in basketball when it gets cold and dry in the gyms, you, you got to put that utter cream on your hands after you shower and after you play because your hands will crack and you'll get those splits in your finger, and it's really hard to shoot and handle a basketball. I didn't know if if Viagra was like the end all be all for circulation in the cold. I had I literally. Literally no idea. Uh, all right, let's 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 move on. Let's let's get to some football stuff. Um, I, I do want to react to the Sunday night game because that's as good a football game, as interesting a football game as I've seen. If you're the general manager, and I do know Tom Telesco pretty well, but if you're the general manager and you hire a guy who tells you, "Hey, look, based on analytics, I'm going to go for it," and you're all in, and then you know in the first half of the biggest game of the year, he goes for it on fourth and two from his own 18. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that's a really – it better work. And those are frustrating ones, right? If you, if you don't get that, you're very frustrated because you're like, well, this is a critical game for us to get in. And, you know, as much as I can appreciate analytics, uh, I'm not a huge fan of fourth and two on 18-yard line, no matter where the game is, unless it's right at the end. Yeah, that one was that, – that, that's crazy. And then what no, happens and I would, is I would, 
I would pull him into my office after the game's over. And usually what I did with, with coaches is after the game was over, I'd go down and brief the coach after the game, talk about it before he went to the podium, talk about anything that's going on from a medical standpoint and also just his overall emotions to keep him in check so that nothing comes out that shouldn't come out. And it's the next day, the Monday morning, where I have the heart-to-heart on the, on the questions and calls. And he knows it's coming. And I always tell him, like, hey, look, when we do free agency, when we do the draft, and you want to really kind of break things down and talk to me about what's wrong with this team, I'm open ears to hearing that, too. So uh, you have to ask him about that question. And that's, that was one of two plays I thought that were very questionable that I think cost the Chargers. When you're, when you're trying to hire a coach, and we've seen coaches firing, Okay. So oftentimes, I think, look, I've tried to tell people that that most of these hires, most of them, not all of them, are with people they have worked with before. Right. Because then they know how you operate. You know how they operate. There's usually a tie. Of course, that's one of the reasons that you have the Rooney rule is like, hey, let's bring somebody in that might not be in the the normal cycle or or let's try and reach out when you made coaching hires. What is it like to try and work through, hey, I want to hire the best guy, but I need a fit for our franchise. I need a fit for our owner. I need a fit for my style. And I got to figure out, is it a guy that I knew or don't know? How, 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 what was your process like? Yeah, so um, the process where we went through with Shiano, because when I first got hired to the Bucks, Coach Morris, Raheem Morris, and I got hired at the exact same time. There was no, he searched for me, I searched for him. It was an owner's decision. And we were notified of it. So it was kind of a different situation there. But when we went to a regular traditional hire, what I did is I kind of I, I, I compartmentalized each piece. So I grabbed three or four guys that had been head coaches before because I wanted to kind of pick their brain and see what they were like and see if they had some juice that would make sense for our organization. And then I went out and got uh, three offensive coordinators and three defensive coordinators. I wanted to see the differences, and then I went and interviewed, you know, three or four college coaches, and we had to do that very privately, very secretly because of recruiting. And you start to compile your list of what you like, and then you, you pare it down after you eliminate, you know, some of the coaches, some maybe a couple of the college coaches. You go down to about your final four and do another round of interviews with them if you have the time, and then you make your selection is how we did it. So I, I, I kind of looked at it from every angle, and then from a – GM's perspective, uh, you're looking to see how well does this coach kind of know your team, but how will your players fit into his scheme, especially your best players, uh, to make sure that you feel like, is this going to be a good fit for the guys that are elite on my team? Because I don't want to put that square peg in a round hole. You know, um, you're fascinating a guy to have on because Shianu comes in and he had done an amazing job building Rutgers. Like, I don't think people have a healthy enough respect for what he was able to do the first time around at Rutgers. Of course, he's back at Rutgers. But when you're building a football program kind of from scratch at Rutgers, you have a boss and an athletic director, but he's not really your football boss, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's not helping you. I, I, I feel like that's one of the under-discussed parts of why college coaches oftentimes struggles because when they're in college – they answer to nobody in terms of football decisions. Football decisions are their decisions. It's not the case in the pros. Uh, d- did you, when you hired Greg, was that mm-hmm. part of the thought process of how he would have to evolve in the pro game? You know, a couple of things I liked about it was, number one, Greg had been in the NFL before as a, as a coach with the Chicago Bears. I thought that was important that he's actually had some experience in the National Football League. So he's seen what a draft goes through. He'd been part of it. And then I thought uh, – what would be good is because of what you said with Rutgers in terms of 
you know, I think at the time we hired Greg, I think Rutgers had like the fifth most, most players in the entire National Football League by college. I mean, that's a crazy thought. Um, when you start to think of Notre Dame or Florida or whoever, Alabama. Um, and so he was pumping guys in. So I knew from the evaluation standpoint, he'd be good to work with. I did not think about, you know, how hard it would be for him to, uh, I think being molding young guys and feeling like you're the father figure for them and, and how you, you thought you had to put your thumb on them all the time, that transferred more heavily than I thought it was going to to the National Football League. And, and a lot of people don't know that Greg made tremendous changes from year one to year two, but the problem was everybody already had the perception built in. Right. And he, couldn't, he couldn't overcome it. And so Hard. he had actually it, changed, and that's it's a shame. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, really hard. I actually talked about this, uh, I think, yesterday or the day before. It's like, like, look, you know, um, don't we wish it, it's not, some jobs you can come in. There's, there's a book. I think it's the first 90 days is what it's called. Right. right. And, and right. Yep. And, and, and I had somebody give it to me. And look, in, in my job, it's a little different. Like you can come in, you kind of feel everybody else's culture and understand it. And but when you're the head coach, everybody feeds off of you. So you can't really it, it, it's a great book and it's great for different, taking a new job. It's a great idea, but it's just different in the NFL because the second you get that job, all eyes are on you and you set the course and you don't have time to kind of learn on the job. It's a very difficult kind of transition because you don't have time to sort of learn on the job. I, I want to ask you about something um, that uh, Chris Ballard said earlier today where it, it was the opposite of a vote of confidence for Carson Wentz. He, he didn't want to answer a question about whether or not Carson Wentz would be their quarterback next year. You've been in that position before. You've had quarterback issues before. What do you think of that choice by Chris Ballard to make that verbal decision? Well, you know, it's a, it's a big shot. I mean, Chris has been in there for a little while. You know, Jacoby Brissett was there. He obviously... That didn't work out the way they were hoping it would. They obviously go to Phillip Rivers for a year, and then they make the big decision to trade a first-round pick for Carson or what ends up being a first-round pick for Carson Wentz. And so uh, I think the, the right news is I think he said the right thing, you know, meaning we saw the game, and, and Carson cost him a football game, and, and the whole team cost themselves a football game, but Carson certainly didn't help with the turnovers back-to-back. And I think if I was in Chris Ballard's shoes, I think I would uncover every stone and make sure – is Carson the best option? Uh, he's going to be on the roster. He's going to go to camp, all those kind of things, just because of what you've given up for him. But I, I wouldn't sit there and say for sure it's his team because you've got to speak to Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard's looking at you know the organization going, I don't know, man, we're pretty good, and, and we can't quite get over the hump. And so in the, in this year specifically, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch the quarterbacks move around because I know we – we focus a lot on Aaron Rodgers, and people like to talk about the Russell Wilsons. We're still not sure exactly what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, but let's see what Jimmy Garoppolo does in the playoffs, and let's see what Jimmy – where does he end up? You know, because I don't think he stays in San Francisco because they've got to make the move to Trey Lance. So Jimmy Garoppolo is an interesting guy. You're like, where does he go? Or what happens to a lot of these other quarterbacks that are going to start moving around a little bit? So um, it's going to be a great offseason to discuss that, but I, I, I actually agree with Chris Ballard. And I think what I would do also is have a quick conversation with Carson and say, hey, look, it's going to be open competition. Let him know ahead of time before I announce that to the world. Yeah, I, I, my issue is not with how he's thinking. My issue is why he's saying it. Like, yeah. what, what's the win in telling everybody that the quarterback position is 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 likely to be I think you're, you're trying to appease the public perception of what's going on. And the public right now, Colt, Colt fans are like, oh, my gosh, is this going to be our quarterback forever? We're never going to get it done. And so instead of just trying to say everything's going to be all right, you just go out there and say we're not going to guarantee anything. 
And, and I, I think that's probably from, you know, uh, ownership down to sit there and say, hey, let's go ahead and just go out there and just say it is what it is. And if we can find something that's going to be competitively better, whether it's the second round of the draft, third round, or it's a free agent or a trade, uh, we're going to look into it. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Mark Dominic is, is our guest, of course, a longtime scout and general manager in the National Football, in the National football League. Um, when, when you look at this weekend and you look at the Niners, you mentioned Garoppolo and the idea that he's going to be playing elsewhere. Um, they become kind of a hot pick to go on the road and beat the Cowboys. And I think a lot of it is because the Cowboys have a lot of talent. They don't play in a particularly good division. But it doesn't feel like they're, they've hit that they're a great team sort of stride. What do you think when you see the matchup between the Niners and the Cowboys? Yeah, you know, I think Dallas is going to find their groove. I really think, uh, although they played an Eagles team that sat a lot of players, um, they just they have been able to score a lot of points when they're healthy. They've got two-headed monster at running back. Dalton Schultz has really stepped up huge for them at the tight end position during this contract year for him. The offensive line looks like it's coming together and stayed healthy. They're healthy right now, and I think that's a different Dallas team than we've seen before, and I think that that's the difference maker. And I think we're also used to Dallas stubbing their toe that we're assuming they're going to do it again. And it's a, diff- it's a different team, and I just I feel very confident that as much as that's the upset special pick for just about everybody, they're like, oh, I think that's going to be the one. I think Dallas will take care of business because I just think they're too explosive across the board, and especially on the defensive side where they've got playmakers at all levels. As you know, with what we've seen at Trayvon Diggs in the secondary, what we've seen with Micah Parsons and his performance, and, and certainly Demarcus Lawrence. So th- they can get you anywhere, and I think that's what makes them such a different team than the previous Dallas. Uh, the Tennessee Titans are the number one seed in the AFC, and it doesn't, and I, we're assuming they're going to get Derrick Henry back, but it does not feel like they've commanded people's respect. Uh, maybe it's because of, you know, some of the other teams that have beaten them that are in the playoffs. When you look at Tennessee, what do you see going into the playoffs? Yeah, I think everything's got to come together for them. Uh, I think they're a good football team that has, can't overcome turnovers. Uh, when they have turnovers, they become uh, an average football team. And, you know, I happened to be at the Houston uh, Texans game here in Nashville, where I live, and I went to that game, and that was where Tannehill, I think, had three or four interceptions. And you're playing a team that's really had nothing going for it, and they lost. And, and it just kind of spoke to me that here's a team that just can't take a lot of adversity. They, they can play smart and they can play good, but if they get hit with adversity in the postseason, especially in the turnover margin, I just don't think they have the firepower to come back from that. And that's where I'm, I like the Titans. Uh, they certainly have a, a little bit of a different road or maybe an easier road than you'd say Buffalo or Kansas City because they'll end up having to play each other if they can both wait, win. But I, I just don't feel like the Titans will represent the AFC in the end. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of, of Mark Dominic. All right, what about the Packers? The Packers seem to be get healthy at the right time. Whitney Merciless was out there at practice today when people thought he was lost with the torn biceps. Um, they're getting David Bakhtiari back. You know, he played a little bit last weekend. Now he gets a, a, a week off to, to get ready. Um, you know, J.R. Alexander's back as well. But, you know, they bumped into that ceiling of the NFC Championship game past two years. When you see the Packers playing at home and the number one seed in the NFC, what do you see? I think the Packers have a great shot of representing the NFC. I think Aaron Rodgers just plays too well, too consistent, doesn't doesn't have the mistakes. 
Uh, I think when Aaron Jones is going and like you talked about some of these pieces, especially Bakhtiari coming back, uh, that, that's just such a stable. It just brings so much stability to that offensive line. Uh, and they've, they've had to throw rookies out there, and they've done a good job with those guys. So I, I, I like the Packers a ton. I think they have every right to be considered or will win the uh, NFC. Going into last week's game, it was the Rams for me. Uh, they, they obviously didn't pull off the, the Week 18 victory. So it slowed my role on the Rams a little bit. But I still think the Rams could be the team because of how good they are on defense that they're going to create enough turnovers, create enough opportunities. And Stafford, even though he's going to give you a chance to pick, get picked off, he's still going to spin the ball and get you a touchdown, two, three, maybe four in a game. And I still think the Rams could be the other team that might sleep sleep in there. Yeah, Rams are, Rams are a pretty interesting team. I, I do wonder what they look like going into the cold weather of Green, uh, uh, you know, of Green Bay. I know mm-hmm. last year Aaron Donald wasn't healthy. But, uh, you know, a dome team playing out there, that it's going to be an interesting event. Mark, hope you had a wonderful new year. Can't wait to get you on again. You're an unbelievable resource to call upon. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. and Enjoy the games this weekend. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Every day we get you caught up on the news of the day. Before we let you go, we call it The Press. The Press is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Check out the latest lines on World of Sports at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Bet Rivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Must be 21. President in Colorado, Indiana, Illinois, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. Dan Byer, what do you got? Doug, we start out in the NFL. The big news of the day David Culley fired today as the Texans head coach after one season. Team also fired offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. Reports saying that Brian Flores will be a candidate, the former Dolphins head coach, and Patriots linebackers coach Gerard Mayo, also a candidate for that job. Makes sense. Both uh, Patriots guys, uh, both guys that uh, are defensive guys. Cully's so short of offensive. Uh, I, 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 I don't think you fire Cully a couple days later unless you know what you're going to do. That, that's my sense, you know? Because Cully, most people thought Cully was going to be out anyway. And he had that press conference where he's like, I don't know really what my future is. Like, he probably knew. When Flores get fired, that kind of opened the door. I feel like that's where they're going. Who knows if Carson Wentz is going to be back in Indianapolis after this message from Colts GM Chris Ballard. At the time of the decision, we felt good about it. And I still don't regret the decision at the time. I won't make a comment on who's going to be here, going to be here next year. That's that's not fair to any player. Um, yeah, I, I just got to disagree with the whole idea that you're, you know, you're satisfying the fans by doing this. Like, okay. You know, even if you're going to get rid of Carson Wentz or you're going to bring in competition, what's the win in telling the world that? I, right. I, don't, I don't see that. I'll also right. say this. The Colts were completely spared thanks to the Chargers Raiders on Sunday night. Like the mm. only thing that we were talking about for two mm. days were, you know, Brandon Staley, what happened with the Chargers and whatnot. And we had come, not that we had forgotten, it just got glossed over on how bad that Colts loss was. Huh. That set it up. But now that the Colts are talking later in the week, it brings everything back up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Remember that Mm -hmm. box of Pokemon cards that Logan Paul bought for $3.5 million? I I did not, but I read this and I found it to be amazing. Yeah, it was uh, supposed to be an unopened box of first edition Pokemon cards. In the end, all fakes. 
there were some there were some hints that collectors had noticed on the box that maybe wouldn't make the box authentic. Paul and some authenticators ended up opening up the box, and what they found inside were boxes of fake Pokemon boxes filled with GI Joe cards. I didn't even know there were GI Joe cards. <laughs> Neither did I. I, I had no cards? idea. What's that? You know what? Now, now he knows, and knowing is half the battle. There, <laughs> you have to watch GI Joe's cartoon in order to get that one. <laughs> that's uh, that went over my head. I will fully, uh, fully admit I, that one. Sorry, that's that's the latchkey kid Gottlieb who had. Who, who did have Nickelodeon as a kid. Uh, finally, Doug, Steph Curry, the leading vote-getter for next month's All-Star Game, continues to have the most votes. However, Yay. how about this? Second in voting in the Western Conference backcourt, John Morant. He's overtaken Luka Doncic. LeBron James, second in voting, leading all frontcourt players in the West. As for the Eastern Conference, DeMar DeRozan still on top with Trey Young leading the backcourt with Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Joel Embiid, your frontcourt starters, if it were to be right now. Right. Roger that. And Doug. Oh, one other note. Sean yeah. White going to appear in his fifth Olympics. Uh, likely to make the U.S. Olympic team. Uh, so you will see him in the Winter Games in Beijing uh, snowboarding once again. And that's the press. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. How old is Sean White? Mid-30s, I think. Yeah. Right. Like when you start snowboarding at the age of like five, it does. It feels like he's older than, than he is, right? 35. I mean, yeah, thirty-five years old. Uh, did I guys ever tell you guys that I was at uh, I was charging my car, and I ran into Tony Hawk. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. It's Doug Gottlieb show, Fox Sports Radio.